You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. All right, everyone. Super excited to bring you my guest today, Reed Duxer of Night Media, which is a multimedia talent management company and a creative outpost for the largest creators on the internet. I'll get a little more specific here. I mean, Reed's company has worked with people such as Mr. Beast, Typical Gamer, and more. So the influential of the influential, right? Best creators, the big creators on the internet. And you can correct me if I'm wrong here. Maybe these numbers are a little outdated, but I'm just reading this from the research I've done. 800 million views per month and more than 80 million subscribers across client rosters. That's got to be bigger now, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I have no idea on the subscriber number, but I think on the views, like I looked a couple weeks ago and it was like in the 1.7 billion ish range. So it's gotten a little out of control. That's nuts. And by the way, something I really want to talk about too. So, you know, we'll get to this later, but Reed helped launched Mr. Beast Burger, which is 300 pop-ups at the same time. So there's a lot of logistical stuff that would give me nightmares Mm -hmm. as a software person. So anyway, Reed, why don't we begin with what your story and how you got to where you are? Yeah. Thanks for having me on. And just a a little background to take a step back. I know you talked a little bit about night media, but I actually started out as an NFL sports agent, watched the movie, Jerry Maguire. Like I think most people saw, and I just wanted to be in that industry. I played college football and the next step for me was why don't I represent the guys I play with? And so that was a step that I took and soon realized that the attention was actually going towards the internet and not necessarily traditional sports. And so I stumbled across a channel named Dude Perfect. Currently, I think they're like 55 million, but at the time they only had a couple million subscribers. And that really started my journey into what now is Night Media. And over the last, I think, few years, and I started the company in 2015, I slowly realized that like, not only was this is where the attention's going, but I mean, these larger channels, like you mentioned, Mr. Beast, they're going to be built like multimedia companies with virtual restaurants like Mr. Beast Burger and consumer products and licensing. And so we're like entrenched in all of that right now and figuring out how do we turn Jimmy and some of our other creators into larger media entities. Got it. That's awesome. And so you guys aren't like a traditional agency, right? I mean, you guys are very specific about who you want to work with and your structure is different, right? How would you define that? Yeah, not at all. We're definitely not built like an agency. We do have a services business on the management side, but a lot of our scale and a lot of the things that we're working on right now are really joint ventures and with clients that we believe in that we think have a long-term growth as a creator and as an entrepreneur. And then For us, we have three pillars inside of Night Media right now. And like I said, one is a services business, which is talent management. One is that we'll just say owned and operated business with joint ventures. And then we've also just in the past eight to 12 months, we've started investing. And so we have a little investment vehicle within Night Media and we invest in a lot of emerging software companies and gaming and other consumer products. Got it. That's awesome. And so what, I mean, if someone wants to work with you, right, what would be the ideal client profile and how do you typically charge? Because I would imagine all your deals are custom, right? They have to be. Yeah, they are. There's some similarities between what each creator deal is. And then it gets a little bit more complex as you get into launching other companies and doing virtual restaurants and who's doing what in that relationship. So it gets rather complex per creator. I think what we really look for and what I've learned over the last like three and a half years is we don't really sign creators. That's not our motto. We sign entrepreneurs. We think that some of the largest creators in the world and even emerging creators, they're actually more entrepreneurs than anything. They obviously love creating content, but they want to do more. And they understand that this is just the beginning of where their brand is, right? Jimmy understood this in 2018 when we first met that 
if he had one of the biggest YouTube channels in the world and he was one of the biggest digital creators in the world, he was going to get access to whatever he wanted and we were going to be able to accomplish whatever he set out to do. And Mr. Beastburger is a good example of that. Of Hey, let's be the first digital creator that really pushes into virtual dining. And let's not just do a couple. Let's actually launch with 300 locations. Let's scale to 600. Let's try and get to a thousand and let's see how big this company can get. That's really what we look for when we're evaluating creators to come inside of Night Media. What do they want to do outside of just creating content? And then how big do we think this business can get? Got it. And typically, I mean, the creators that you work with, I mean, there has to be some type of volume, right? So are you looking for like a typical subscriber account? What is it? And do they have to be YouTube or are you looking at other channels as well? Let's say, I don't know, podcasts or whatever. Not podcasts. So we're primarily based on YouTube. That's our core focus is signing YouTube creators, but we have started working with a few people on Twitch, some larger Twitch creators that average over 100,000 concurrent viewers when they go live on Twitch. So we have dabbled a little bit into that side, but the company was really built on the premise of we think that YouTube not only is the core platform that we want to focus on, but over the next 10 years, we'll bet on YouTube over any other social medium. And that's including Twitter and Instagram and some of these other ones. And so when we look at a creator, I actually don't care about subscribers. I think that's one thing that people look at and they think that number is incredibly important when it actually isn't because there's a lot of channels out there that have 20 million subscribers or 10 million subscribers that are pulling less than a million views per video. It's really bad, right? So it's all about how engaged is your audience? How big is your community? And then we kind of work outside of that. We work within that and saying, okay, if they have a community in this space, how big do we think this actual opportunity is if we were to build this consumer product or if we were to go in this direction? So I think in the past, we used to actually look at subscriber numbers and care about that number. And now to me, it's just kind of thrown out the window. It's more about like, how big is the community? Got it. Makes sense. You can be as specific as you want, but how would you structure these, right? Let's say someone's listening to this, like, I really want to work with Reed. How would that work? If they want to work with us, it's just a long process of getting to know each other and then us understanding what is your content niche? Is it arts and crafts? Is it hunting and fishing? What's the niche, right? And then we really spend the time here at Night Media getting to know who the creator is, getting to know what their goals are. Is it a good fit? I think when creators think about, should I sign a manager? That manager that you end up signing should be your closest business ally. Like they should be your longest relationship in the industry. They should be the one that you go to and lean on for finding a good lawyer, finding a good publicist. Who do I use for an accountant? Like they should lean on you for those things and they should lean on you for business development, strategy, culture. Should I be hiring this position? We're so in the weeds with each client. I think that's why we're so focused on finding the right people because there's so much work that goes into each creator when you get as deep as we do. Yeah. Is the idea here that a lot of these creators, they know how to build an audience. They know how to build an engaged community, but they might not necessarily know what needs to happen in the back end, like the back office type stuff, the operational stuff, right? Is that where you guys come in with kind of the operational stuff and the strategic component? Yeah, we do. I think to step back on that question, I think a lot of creators are really good at creating content. The really good creators are good at creating community around that content. And there's some good examples on the internet that you guys can see with some of these creators and specifically in the gaming space, there is some gaming creators that have massively engaged audience on Twitter. They also pull 5 million plus views per video on YouTube. I think if you're going to be a top-notch creator and you're really going to focus on being an entrepreneur, one really important aspect to that is actually building a community. It's not all about, let's just create really good videos on YouTube. 
that's maybe step one. And then you have to get into these other steps of, I need to really engage my fan base to care about who I am aside from me just playing Fortnite, right? And so that becomes so important as a creator. And that's something we're so fixated on. And then once those two things are taken care of, then we as a management company can really take a step forward with them of like, okay, let's start thinking about overall business strategy. Let's start thinking about areas that we're not taking advantage of or product segments in the market that don't currently exist, but really tie back to your content and your audience. So that's a little bit in the weeds of how we really evaluate and look at clients and then how we get involved. Got it. And so when you think about these creators, right, let's see, we can look at Mr. Beast. I mean, we can look at the, the ones you work, typical gamer and all that. Who are some other creators that you're most impressed by doing some interesting things? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot within night media and there's a lot outside of night media that I currently watch. I'm so obsessed with YouTube and I probably see a lot more channels than most people do. I've been weirdly obsessed with this whole food culture on YouTube and trying different things in different countries. And I've stumbled upon so many different channels and one that we work with, and this is more around like just overall food consumption is Matt Stoney. And Matt Stoney was the 2017 Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Champion. He beat Joey Chestnut. And then Joey Chestnut's been on a tear ever since. But Matt's channel is really built around food competitions. He did a thing with Mr. Beast Burger or eating the whole menu on Mr. Beast Burger. And so, you know, Matt is averaging over 5 million views a video. He's continually building that community around him. We're incredibly excited about the future that he has. I think the question is really about longevity. Like how long can you continue to eat hundreds of pounds of M&Ms and all these like food challenges? So that to us is the next step of like Matt's careers. Is there longevity in this for him? Or do we have to like take a step back and figure out how do we continue making good videos, build a community, but you actually don't get completely burnt out of eating 25 hamburgers in a, in a sitting just to film a YouTube video? Yeah, it's tough. It's definitely a grind from what I see. And, you know, a lot of the creators that I see, there's a graphic I saw a couple of weeks ago showing that an audience is just everyone's kind of pointing towards up. Everyone's looking at the creator right now. When you build a community, there's like a network effect type of thing, right? Everyone's like talking to each other. So I found that fascinating. But anyway, going back to what I'm seeing with a lot of creators, it's they'll build a big channel and they'll start selling merchandise and they don't really get much more sophisticated beyond that, right? Now, what I find amazing is what you helped do with Mr. Beast Burger, right? So can you talk about how that all happened? And just again, the logistics around that seems like such a pain in the butt, right? So to me, he's kind of reinventing what you can actually do once you have a community. Yeah, I actually think we're not even reinventing. I hope people look at it as like, this is the blueprint of what a creator's business should look like when you have a massively engaged community and you pretty much own your distribution of that fan base, right? And hopefully like we're laying the blueprint, you know, with Mr. Beast of what can a creator turn into? And we're trying to like figure this out as we go. We're in uncharted territory. A digital creator has never entered into turning themselves into this massive media entity that we think Mr. Beast can become. And so, yes, Mr. Beast Burger, it was something that our president, Ezra Cooperstein, and I, we met with a couple companies and one of them pitched us on this idea of influencers launching digital kitchens or virtual restaurants. And we initially like passed on the idea because I don't think we gave it much thought. And the hard thing about working with Jimmy is there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of pitches and you kind of got to just like focus on a few things that you have to execute on and have tunnel vision and everything else is noise. And I think when they originally pitched it to us, there's just so much going on that I was like, yeah, yeah, cool idea, but like not now. And then Ezra and I really started having conversations around, okay, well, 
if we can actually launch hundreds of locations, what does that truly mean for the creator? Well, it means that one, we'd be the first mover in this space if we actually think that this is a space where we can build a business. Two, we thought it was an interesting touch point for us, for our fans. Yes, you can go on his website. Yes, you can order merch. Yes, you can get it four days later. Or we can have this touch point where people can get something 30 minutes later and we deliver it to their door. And so that's what really kind of expanded our minds on this whole situation. And then finding the right operating partner, we partnered with Earl Enterprises who owned the Hard Rock and they started Planet Hollywood. And so that was the next step was finding a really good operating partner focusing on quality control, which is going to continue to be a struggle as you have 300 locations on day one. It's not like, you know, Shake Shack or they start in a little park in New York City and then they expand over a decade. This is like, hey, we're going to turn on 300 locations on a single day and then we're going to scale to 600 two months later. So quality control has been an issue. And then it's just finding the right restaurant partners. And we actually didn't do any ghost kitchens we ended up partnering with small restaurant chains, large restaurant chains. You know, for us, it was like people are struggling, everything going on in the world right now with COVID. And if you don't have a solid delivery business, like restaurants are struggling. And so we found a lot of pride in like going into these restaurants and doubling their per day revenue just by giving them an opportunity to help us fulfill Mr. Beast Burger. And so that was one thing that became important to us was like, how do we help these restaurants when everyone's struggling? And that became now, what is Mr. Beast Burger? Well, one of my friends made a YouTube video talking about Mr. Beast Burger, and I think he estimated this number. You can say it's on track or not, or you can just not respond. But he's basically saying Mr. Beast Burger does 720 grand a month in revenue. Is that close or not even close? Was this Noah? I've this seen Noah. So- <laughs> uh, I've seen so many of these videos. We'll come out with revenue numbers probably at the end of 2021 or maybe within yeah. the next six months. To give people a little like under the hood of, okay, how is this company doing? And is it having sustained revenue? I think that's the biggest question is, was it just a flash in the pan, cool niche marketing stunt, or are we building a sustainable business? And I think people are going to be shocked when we come out with the numbers uh, and what they've sustained at. And I think people are going to be surprised that we have ongoing marketing planned and like we have licensing deals lined up and collaborations and it's all kind of coming together. Like we want to build a massive sustainable virtual dining company. And then whether we push into brick and mortar in the future, we're trying to figure out. But I mean, for us, it was never a marketing stunt. This was like, hey, we're going to build a sustainable business. Got it. I love that. How long did it take from conception to actual execution on that? So we got the initial pitch about a year ago and we ended up, I believe, passing about a year ago. And then it came back around, I would say around five months it took us to execute from Initial conversation to fully executed, maybe a little longer. I would say maybe about seven months. I'd have to go back and look at the first emails that were sent where we were like, all right, we had a conversation with Jimmy, let's rock and roll. Probably more around the seven month range. That's crazy. Seven months, 300 restaurants. That is nuts. But you know, at the end of the day, it all comes down to any founder or entrepreneur listening to this. It comes down to the team, right? looks like you put together the right team. I want to talk about the podcast that you do with Blake, Creator Economics. So I guess talk about the podcast a little bit and talk about kind of some trends whether it's monetization trends or just interesting creator trends that you're seeing. Yeah. The reason Blake and I created Creator Economics, and if you don't, guys who's listening don't know who Blake Robbins is, he's a venture partner at Ludlow Ventures. He was one of the co-founders of 100 Thieves, which is a large esports and lifestyle organization. And he is my partner in the podcast. And so it was really uh, me wanting to get a lot closer to Blake because he is so incredibly intelligent and knowledgeable in this whole space. But for us, it was more about educating the creator community. 
whether you're a YouTuber with 10 million subscribers or you're aspiring YouTube creator, like we really wanted to create something that not only gave them the information that we thought they needed to be successful, but also pushes the ball forward in the overall maturity of the space. I think we're still so early on. We haven't even rounded first base in the creator community. And hopefully Blake and I, with what we do with creator economics, can just push that ball forward. We're also going to have tough conversations and people have seen this. Like I've got a lot of messages on should creators be taking equity or cash? That was one of the episodes we did pretty early on. And I get a lot of messages about that because it's so unknown for creators. Like, how do you think through those decisions of this company's offering me options? And most people don't know what that is, or they're going to offer me this small cash incentive. Like, how do I think about this? And so Blake and I really just wanted to break down those discussions of how I think about it from a management perspective and how he thinks about it from a venture capitalist perspective. And hopefully it's really valuable to people. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. If you look at, you know, the top NBA players, they're taking equity now, right? And so I guess let's talk about that episode a little bit. How are you advising creators to think about this? Yeah. So we talk about this in the episode and I'd encourage people to go listen to it because it has a lot of good insight. But I think for 95% of creators, equity is probably not the best option for them. A lot of creators, and I work in a small segment of this macro level creator who has over 10 million YouTube subscribers and they're doing 150 million views a month. For the majority of creators, I don't think they should take equity unless they really believe, like truly believe in this business long-term and they truly think that it's going to have some type of exit that's going to pay off. So in the episode, we talk about that is in most cases, always take the cash. But how we kind of think about it is one, we truly have to believe in the company. And we kind of ask ourselves this question. It's really like, would we invest our own capital in this business? Do we believe in it that much where we would actually write a check into this business? And if the answer is yes, then we start having that conversation with usually the CEO or the founder of that business to be like, hey, we not only want cash, but we want equity as well. And so we do a kind of a hybrid for most of these deals. We kind of protect against the downside of taking some cash, but we also want to participate in the upside by taking some equity. And so that's how we've done a lot of the deals that we're working on right now. And for some of this doesn't work, right? Some of these are massive companies. There's just not an option to do equity, but there is a lot of interesting startup companies, a lot of companies that maybe have just raised a series B or a series C that are looking to get into influencer marketing or work with a few creators to accelerate growth. And those are the ones we have a lot of these conversations with of like, we understand you don't have a ton of capital or you don't have a ton of marketing resources to spend on creators, but we believe in your business and therefore here's what we want. And then we'll lay out the equity component that's vested equity. One thing founders should know if they're listening is never just give equity to a creator. You should always have something tied to it unless you're like so convinced they're going to convert always have something tied to it to protect yourself as well. And so, yeah, these are kind of the conversations that we have every day, but it's become really interesting now to be at the position where you can kind of leverage yourself into that equity. And so when you talk about the vesting period, I mean, most people are used to like a one-year cliff, right? The part I struggle mm -hmm. with as a creator, obviously this would favor the company, but as a creator, if I'm like putting in all this work and I have to wait a year to get my equity, is it a one-year cliff or what does it look like? It's so different depending on the deal. And a lot of it is like, if I do this service, I get this equity. And if it does well, I get this tranche and this tranche and this tranche. Those are the ones that I've seen that probably work the best, but they're all so different. It's hard to be like, this is the core deal that you should do. Mm -hmm. 
there's so many different ways to get these deals done. It's just like these CEOs and founders just need to understand they need to have some protection if they're going to start giving away equity. Makes sense. To me, obviously, Mr. Beast Burger is a really interesting monetization strategy, right? What else are you seeing that's interesting in the space? Because again, I'd like to, me just observing, it's got to go beyond just t-shirts and apparel. So <laughs> That's the lowest barrier of entry also. There's a lot of companies out there that have these merchandising servicing businesses where you can work with the Teesprings or even Fanjoy, who's probably become the most popular. Go to them, they can do your hoodies and t-shirts and hats and stuff. And it's a lower barrier of entry for creators. Consumer products is actually quite difficult. And there's not a lot of companies out there supporting creators into building sustainable consumer products. And again, that's just probably for the top individuals that have massive audience. One thing that I found really interesting, and this is just me having a gaming background, is digital goods. And so a few of our clients run Minecraft servers. We actually have an internal company that sells goods on the Minecraft marketplace, which is like their, I think they internally call it pocket edition, but people most know it as like a Windows 10 version of Minecraft. And they have what's called a marketplace where you can sell maps and cosmetic goods and things like that. And we've built a company internally around just selling on the Minecraft marketplace. And so we've really leaned into digital goods, especially with Minecraft and now Roblox. We have a few creators that are massive in the Roblox space. And they're some of the biggest YouTubers that kids go to to watch Roblox games. And so it's like, why would we not own our own games? Why would we not sell our own skins within Roblox? And if we're going to build a parrot on an arm, we might as well make the money for that. And it kind of goes back into Fortnite with the creator code and everything else. So I think people are really underestimating how much money can be made as a creator within digital goods. And that's one thing that we paid a lot of attention to. I think things are kind of flipping where back in the day, you kind of had to have the business infrastructure first, and then, you know, you go build the influence. But now it seems like you build the influence first, and then you kind of figure out the infrastructure afterwards. I'm generalizing here, but is that kind of in the right direction that you're seeing? Yeah, I think most just don't know. I think most people, they create content, they have an engaged audience, or maybe they don't have a really engaged audience, but that's all they really know. They don't really know, hey, if I create Minecraft videos... I should probably have my own server or I should probably have a deal with Microsoft where I can sell on the Minecraft marketplace. Like, I think a lot of them just don't even pay attention to the fact that there's a much bigger business opportunity here than just making money off AdSense, which is basically what they get paid every time they upload a YouTube video with a pre-roll and a mid-roll. I think the Naval Ravikant quote that sticks with me is there's four forms of leverage. You have code, capital, labor, and media. I think the creators understand the media portion, but then the other stuff around, you know, okay, after you acquire some capital, how can you hire the labor and then, you know, build leverage with code, right? So you can make money in your sleep even more. Yeah. And we haven't seen this yet, but I know this is going to eventually happen. Like creators will start raising capital. It's really tough if you're a creator right now looking at Mr. Beast to be able to try and compete with that with how much money he spends on a per video basis and you know how big his production team is. And if you want to compete at the highest level on YouTube, some of these creators are probably going to have to think about how do I raise capital? How do I get an influx of cash where I can go hire a production company and spend more per video and really have like this hyper growth that they've seen a lot of creators have. So it's going to be so interesting to see like how creators push into those other pillars. And if they start raising capital, how are they thinking about software? This is all coming. But the industry, like my industry, is still slowly maturing into those things. For sure. And so whatever you can share, I mean, how big is his production team and how much is he spending per video? I probably won't share either of those. The production team is quite large, but it's like most production companies. They have pre-production, post-production, logistics. They have their different segments of how everyone works. And then 
spending per video. I think most people can probably go to his channel and figure that out because he lists in the title. I think the last video I saw was what was it, $100,000 ice cream right? He says in the video how much he spent across the whole video is like $400,000. I think people can do the math on most of those videos if they just go watch them. The fireworks video is another good example. He says like how much each firework was. He's not kidding, by the way, this isn't fabricated. Those are legit numbers. And in most cases, he shows the receipt at the end of the video. Yeah. I mean, those of you that haven't seen his channel, it's nuts. I think I was watching a video where he gave away, I don't know, 50 or hundred cars. And the last one was a Lambo or something. So it's nuts. So you just mentioned raising money, right? And I remember reading something recently on a tech blog about buying fractional shares and in influencers, right? I can see that being a thing where you might do some type of income share agreement, or you might have some type of smart contract on the blockchain, right? Someone's got to build it, right? Are you looking into yeah. that? I mean, I'd be lying if we said we haven't looked into it. I think it's such an interesting concept of can creators sell a small percentage of their channel? Yeah. I mean, we're actively looking into it. Are we too early for that to happen? I don't know yet. We had an idea of doing this 18 months ago and our answer was like, probably isn't matured enough for us to do something like that. I don't know if anyone's trying to build that product, but we're currently doing a lot of research on, do we think this is viable? Do we think people would buy into a channel? Obviously people would buy into Mr. Beast. It's a little different, but would someone have bought into Jimmy when I met him in 2018, when he had 2 million subscribers, that's the question. Uh, It's like, are people willing to buy in early to watch the future of where these creators go? It's easy to buy into Mr. Beast now. He's like a rocket ship going to 100 million subscribers. But at 2 million subs in early 2018, that wasn't really the case. He wasn't really on anyone's radar. Yeah. It's a fascinating thing. I mean, someone's going to do it. The blockchain makes all the sense of it. I mean, even that's not mature enough right now. You know, it'll get to a point. Maybe it's a five to 10 year thing. Who knows? Right. Okay. So a couple more questions from my side. These are more generic, but influencer tools that are most important to you. Like how do you go finding up and comers, you know, all these things. We don't really find up and comers. We're really focused on who we currently represent. We have managers within the business that are really in the weeds on their individual business. A lot of who we've signed has all just been word of mouth. And that's what we wanted. We didn't want to go out there and have to continually recruit year over year. We wanted to build this foundation of here's what we do. Here's who we work with. If you want to work with us, feel free to contact us. We'll have a conversation. So everyone that I signed early on in Night Media was all through Twitter DMs, including Mr. Beast. It was a Twitter DM in 2018. Preston, Twitter DM, Unspeakable, Twitter DM. What did that look like when you hit him up? Is it just like, hey, I didn't send the DM. It was either them asking for an intro or their friend being like, hey, you should meet this person. Never a cold email or cold DM, nothing like that. I actually enjoy reaching out to creators now. Like if I see an interesting creator, I'm like, yo, love the channel. Keep up the good work. I'll send some DMs like that just to encourage people. But uh, yeah, it was all word of mouth and that's what we wanted. Cool. Awesome. And how about favorite business tool? As it relates to my business or YouTube, what type of business tool? As it relates to your business. Man, so I spend a lot of time on quite a few different tools. Me personally, I don't know what I would do without Google Calendar. That controls my entire life right now. But I think creator tools that we use a lot, and there's quite a few out there, but I think the one that you just see the most people talk about is Social Blade. It's so easy to link your Social Blade to your YouTube account. It gives me a little under the hood look at how is the YouTube channel growing month over month? How is it growing month over month in like the views per month or views per video? So for me, like I use Social Blade a lot, just engaging the health of channels. 
So I would say within a daily basis, I probably, and I have it linked to my YouTube channel, so it's a little different, but I'm probably using Social Blade 10 to 20 times a day. Wow, that's nuts. And so you're just really looking at the analytics. It's kind of your yeah. version of Google Analytics. So this is like- Exactly. Got it. And how about favorite business book? Favorite business book, me personally, would probably be Start With Why by Simon Sinek. I think if you haven't read it, it's a great book. And it kind of puts you in a position where you need to like step back and ask yourself, why am I doing what I'm doing? What's the core principle that I believe in? And what's my business really about? And what am I personally about? So I would highly recommend it to anyone, either starting a business, running a business, or any creator for that matter. Awesome. Well, Reed, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find you online? Yeah. I mean, check out Creator Economics. Blake and I, we're trying to upload weekly. It's become incredibly difficult for us to get on a cadence like that, but Creator Economics on YouTube. And then people can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. It's just ReedJD. Perfect. Reed, thanks so much for doing this. Thanks, man. Pleasure. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.